Are you maximizing your fertility investment and the impact of your dry fertilizer? That's what we're talking about in this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high-performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We got Chad Henderson coming to you live from his combine and Steve Sexton, who is a Loveland Inc. employee uh, and agronomist. He's been on before. And last time I talked to him, he was riding around a bus in South Dakota and I was uh, being beamed in to talk to a bunch of customers. Uh, maximizing your dry fertilizer investment. Right before I hit record, Steve, I want to start with you. Because Chad says this product that you're even talking about using is been around for a long time. But the problem we seek to solve is getting more bang for your fertilizer buck. And before we hit record, I said in the old days, it was cheap. You compare it to atrazine. Take me down that comparison because everybody's familiar with fertilizer. What they're probably not familiar with is how to maximize it by putting a treatment on it and getting more bang for your buck. But let's go down the road of the history here. So, Damien, uh, and uh, I'm glad to be on with Chad, too. You know, I'm a baby boomer, and uh, we started fertilizing in this country post-World War II, probably in the early 60s. And when we put out, you know, 100 pounds of urea or 100 pounds of triple super, saw some amazing yield results. Started out with atrazine, half a pound the acre. And as the old timers would say, that field's as clean as a hound's tooth. Hmm. Well, when, uh, when, the, when the weeds became started to become resistant to atrazine, what was our response? Was it trying to figure out why they were becoming resistant? No, we up the rate. Double, double the rate. Yeah, double up and catch it. Yeah. So and I know so, some yeah, people. It, you know what's interesting out. is, by the way, that you don't have to be a baby boomer to know that. Chad's, Chad's younger than you, and he knows that. That for years it was, well, if it's not working, put more on. <laughs> exactly. They don't call me. They, they don't call me. Send it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. So Chad's all about sending that. So what you talked about there with the atrazine is, you know, historically referenced and I, you know, products like lasso or dual or whatever, we used to go out there and just, you know, open up the barrel and let her, let her rip. Um, fertilizer. Fertilizer historically has been pretty cheap. Uh, companies that sell fertilizer like to sell it. They don't have huge margins on it. So the way they go about it is sell more fertilizer. And I got to tell you, I don't think that a lot of farm guys that I know, treat their fertilizer so are we are we wasting fertilizer money i'll go with chad first are we wasting fertilizer money by not treating it i don't you know i i would say there's always availability and you know the world we live in now when we talk about efficiency and sustainable and you know words we're supposed to use now and things as a farmer you know we look at we like well, well you know we're trying to do better and you know like steve said you know potash has been around since the 50s, I guess it was, you know, but nobody thinks about, you know, and I've done it. I've done it when I started, you know, I put out, you know, a lot of potash trying to build soils and, and they would say, oh, we got it in the bank, if you will. But if it's not available, it don't matter how much you got in the bank. You got a big bank over here, but if you can't ever draw out of it, it don't really matter how much is in the bank. And probably when we start 
was in this patent uh, product, this patent XC, you know, and when we start looking into it, you know, we, we're we're making availability, and this is a low cost and and low amount. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is a paint per ton. And, you know, I'm not about anything like a paint per ton. Like if a paint's good, let's put a gallon on. But that's not the way it works. It's about availability. All right, so I think the challenge here is reducing dry fertilizer tonnage uh, per bushel produced. And that's really where we're going to be challenged. And Steve, I want you to talk to this. We can't go out and fling atrazine around like we once did because of some regulatory environmental issues. I think we're going to get there on fertilizer. Uh, it's already happening in places like Temple up in Maryland because of the Chesapeake Bay, and it's happening in Ohio because of the phosphates that got into the Lake Erie and caused an algae bloom. I think that there's regulation coming, and this is probably a key to that, is figuring out how to reduce our dry fertilizer. Am I right? Or am I on to something or no? No, Damon, you're spot on because the, the phosphorus causes algal blooms just like we have with the nitrates and potash. You know, people don't think about potash, but it can be leached out of the soil profile just like nitrates. If we don't have the CEC, which is your gas tank, your soil, your cation exchange capacity of your soil, and then they not only need to look at their CEC, you know, we hope it's 9, 10 and above to hold more potash. But if your base saturation of potash is a half of one or one percent, there's not many exchange sites that that potash can hold on to. And so I see growers that want to just pour on the potash without regards to their soil's ability to hold it, Damien, and they're losing it. It's it's going to leach out. So, so it's very interesting. So speaking of leaching out, when I was in Alabama this uh, spring, uh, Chad and I did a episode about cation exchange capacity. Is is this issue with getting more bang for your fertilizer buck a bigger problem for him because of low CECs than it is for Kelly, who has good CECs? Well, uh, Chad manages his. He strip tills it. He puts it next to the seed. And he may even put out a side dress uh, of, of potash. People most think, you know, side dress, I'm just, it's nitrogen, pertains nitrogen. Oh, no. When you have, when you have single digit CECs or low base saturation of potassium, uh, then you have to put out potassium two to three times. You have to manage it like you do nitrogen if you're going to get efficient use of it. Okay, Chad, you've used a fertilizer treatment that comes from their company, Titan XC by Loveland. You said before we record, this is not even a new technology. You've been using this for a while. Why are we talking about it now? You know, last year we done a trial on it. They said, you know, we, we was searching for things to make dry fertilizer more available. You know, we're strip tilling and what can I do to make it more available and then cut back more fertilizer? Is this, am I advocating right now? Oh, we got to cut back. Oh, let's don't put out on fertilizer. No, I'm not. Um, I think, I feel like we should use our soil test recommendations and, and plant uptake recommendations. And I think we stay on track with that to, to build the crops that we need to build and to build the soils and, and everything, keep everything on target. But the answer is not either. It's not about going out here and just putting a lot of dry fertilizer out. So this product, you know, runs at a pint per ton and, you know, it just makes things more available. We started out, we was at around 200, 225 pound acre with a strip till rig. Now we're down to 150. I see me running some at 75 or 100 next year with this product. The last couple of years, we've shown great results because we're stripping these fields and we're stripping like 24 rows with it, 24 rows without it, 24 rows with it. And we're doing this on mass acres. This is not a trial that's 
one or two acre deal, you know, we're stripping them, we're stripping 100, 200 acre fields like this. And this is a second year row. We've seen positive results from this. I'm on, I'm going to be like Steve, you know, I'm going to quit trialing this stuff because you cost me money by trialing it, you know. Yeah. So I, you, you kind of started going down the road. I was going to say, is it that you're using the same amount of dry fertilizer and getting way more yield or are you getting more the same yield with less fertilizer or is it even the best of all worlds less fertilizer and more yields both both you're exactly right damien both like we know that we can use the same amount of fertilizer and get to get the yield you know back by using this product i'm doing that and you know if they want me to trial that way you know me and steve will start saying well all right how far down can we go how far can we go? And I'm sure they've done this. Like I said, this is a 10, 15-year-old, 10 or 12-year-old product. Like mm-hmm. they know it, the ins and outs of it all the way around. But, yes, I think I'll be down another 30 or 40 pounds of fertilizer with this product applied with it, you know. Okay, so going back to Steve then, uh, it, it, you know, the historical, I think we're still there. I think we're still over-fertilizing. Uh, Kelly Garrett said in one of our recordings a year or two ago when fertilizer, dry fertilizer prices spiked. I mean, absolute huge run-up. And I don't buy fertilizer every day the way you know Chad does. But I know there was this huge spike in f- fertilizer prices. And Kelly said, unfortunately, it took the economics of prices of fertilizer to make us realize we weren't being economical to begin with. We were overusing the stuff because it was it was fairly affordable. Are we still overusing it? Yes. You know, Damien, think how many growers are still fertilize- in their fertilizer budget. They're budgeting one pound or one unit of nitrogen for one bushel of corn. I don't know where Chad is, but I'll bet you Chad's somewhere at 0.6 to 0.7 units of N for bushel of corn. There's some growers still at 1.2. Well, let's take that to phosphorus and potassium. Yeah. How many are over applying that? And they're, and they're not using it efficiently. efficiently. On a money, from a money standpoint, Chad, how much are we talking about? You know, like if you're if you're at 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.7 pounds of in, for instance, for a bushel of corn versus 1.2, that, that's half. That's like that's cutting your nitrogen by half. But you're probably not quite there, are you? Yeah, I mean, we are on our dryland acres. We average in there around, you know, on a good year. Like you come in there last year and I cut 60 bushel corn. Oh, no, I'm not half. You know, I'm at 1.2, but that's a drought. This year where we're cutting a lot of corn, you know, a lot of averages in the field are coming out from that 190 range to that 215 range. We are. We're we're somewhere right now around 170 on that 200. So where does that put us at? Like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.75 this year? Yeah. You know, but, but if you pull like, I pulled a couple NCGAs out of there, the same fertilizer and pulled them out, you know, that's a something that's a standard, you know. And we will be well over 200, you know, in those areas on up in, you know, mid 200s. So that gets it down there where it's really nice. All right. So let's go back to then the 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 P and the K. The product that you 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 used uh, that Chad's been you know been around for a while, and he says it's beyond being a trial. Like you can go out there and do a massive field, 100 and some acre field, do a 24 rows with it, 24 rows without it. It doesn't do anything for the nitrogen. It's for the P and the K, right? Correct. Correct. You know what, Damien? Correct. Uh, Titan has been put on over 75 million acres. So people listen to this podcast thinking, okay, here they are flogging another product. Well, you people aren't going to be guinea pigs because people like Chad have trialed it on their farm. Yeah. Growers yeah. growers are the, you know, in, in the Bible, they talk about doubting Thomas and he was a twin. Well, who was a twin? <laughs> Everybody in agriculture, we're all doubters. We're all skeptics. 
<laughs> and guys like Chad put it through the paces. The very first trial we did, Damien, was in 2008. Fertilizer prices were higher than they were two years ago. And the grower said he had 150 pounds of pea and 150 pounds of K. He said, you're welcome to put it out, but I'm not paying for it. So instead, we cut, <laughs> we cut out three pounds of P and three pounds of K. So we had an 80-80, actual 80-P, 80-K, and the 77-77 with Titan made him 17 and a half more bushel. So he cut out a little bit of P and K that would have been tied up or lost anyway and got 17 more bushel of corn. And that's what it's all about is, is efficiency and making our growers more money. All right. So... The point and is, Chad. Chad, why that's are you? That's where we landed, Damien. Yeah, I want to hear. Go I want ahead. to hear. The, I want to hear your results. That that's where we've landed at. That's exactly where we've landed. We started out, and the first year, you know, I just applied it and put it on there with it. And with a strip till, the way the pints and a ton tonnage work, this deal is a four dollar and five cent an acre. And I was like, well, I'll just cut back like eight pounds or whatever it is, you know, for four dollars. I don't really know the math on exactly what four dollars an acre would be but uh we cut back we cut back a little pounds well this year i'm like heck i'm not gonna cut back i'm gonna cut back more than that you know so where we was running somewhere around that 200 pound range like i said earlier we was down to 150 okay we come back 50 pounds of fertilizer we picked up 12 bushel and we was four dollar inputs i want to go through this so there ain't much you give, me, give me those economics again you cut back by how much you cut back by how much and then what was the result we cut back, we cut, we're down to 150 pounds on a dry land acre. We're at 150 pounds of fertility, and that's just P and K in the fall. And we're putting a pint of Titan on it, which is about $4 to five bucks an acre, four to five bucks an acre. And we, this year, this year was a 12 bushel. Last year it averaged 17 bushel on our trial. This year we went across the whole farm with it and we strip, I mean, you you got to say that we went across the whole deal, but all the other farms got it. We stripped one field. Like I seen a return last year. I said, I'm not just trialing this on a little bit. Like we stripped one field to, to verify, it, but, but, we're, but our whole, the whole, all the strip till acres I had, had it applied on the fertilizer. Okay. So the, the results are, are there. The question that uh, somebody might be asking is how does this work? I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put a, I don't know how to put a fertilizer treatment on fertilizer. I just you know, call the co-op and they come out and spread the stuff. How does it work? <laughs> well, well, it's uh, liquid Damien, form and, and straight on. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Damien, in, in the soil, microbes have to, they don't have mouth parts and they have to break down their, uh, the chemical compounds in the soil to access their food. So they secrete metabolites and enzymes, very powerful bioagents. That's what we capture to put in Titan. So Titan is actually got the metabolites on it, the phosphatase enzymes, to because we're spreading phosphorus in a form plants don't use. We're putting it out in P2O5, and it has to get to PO4 before the it binds with the hydrogen before the plants can use it. And that's what, what's in Titan to help convert it to P2O5 to PO4. Um, and it works very quickly. <clears throat> Now okay. potassium, we're spreading so wait, the salt. So you, explain, you explain how it works in the soil. It basically it it allows it allows digestion of the fertilizer by the microbes yeah. in my soil. Yeah, because we're slinging rocks, right? We're slinging yep. uh, salt crystals with potassium and rocks with uh, MAP or DAP or MES or MES10 or MESZ. 
it doesn't matter. We're slinging rocks. So the nutrient in that rock has to be made available to the plant before it's the plant can use it. Okay, then that's the, the chemical side of how it works in the soil. How's it work to use it? Chad, you don't go out there with a, a spray can and, and spray this on dry fertilizer. How do I even, how do I, how does it practically happen? Well, your, any of your fertilizer distributors, you know, they have a, a spray set up there. Well, it's going up the ramp, you know, in the mixer, either, either in the mixer or they have a spray set there and it's all, you know, scaled and, and uh, calibrated to where they just spray it onto the fertility. I mean, onto the fertilizer. You know, okay. it's a liquid form. It's sprayed on the field, and it starts that breakdown because these, right? I mean, the problem is that's why people back in, you know, we've always applied fall fertilizer. You know, it's fall. It's giving it that breakdown for the spring, you know. Some places you can only apply in the spring, you know, but where we could years ago, you know, you always applied the fertilizer, P and K, in the fall. You yeah. know, spread fertilizer out there. Yeah, so then that's the next question. Is there a danger of getting this fertilizer out there and getting it broken down, as Steve says, you know, we're, we're, we're flinging rocks. Does it, cause it, is it, if I do it in the fall and I don't really need that fertility until April or May, have I, have I used it too soon? You it's know, so good. It broke the rock down and they run in, they, they just run right through the soil. No, that can, they're no, right. yeah, that, now, now they're down the aquifer. No. So and you, there's and no danger. Get, there's, I mean, even in your soils, you've got some sand and you got some, you got some stuff, Chad, yeah. is there a danger of, using something like this and then getting your fertilizers all used up by by may no i haven't seen that at all no no i haven't you know and steve's gonna give you the exact details on exactly how it works but you've got to remember too what we're doing we're applying fertilizer we're putting it in the soil and we're putting it in a soil that's going into cool temperatures so now steve go ahead and explain the rest of that and in a so, better way than my simple mind no that's fine so you know titan x is a biochemical it's a chemical it's like bt the BT protein for the corn, I call it BT for the fertilizer. And, and it takes a while, Damien, to convert that P205, MAP, DAP, or MESZ, or MES10, or MAP, MSD, get it over to the PO4 form uh, before it binds with the hydrogen. But it's there, and, and with the potash, potash comes in two forms, either potassium chloride, which is a salt, or yeah. potassium oxide, and so what we need to do is break that salt crystal down and, and, and potassium doesn't have to be converted. It's K plus in the soil or K plus in the plant and it gets caught in the clay layers. But we've done leachate studies, Damien, and in fact, and soil tests. And in fact, soil tests, if people are putting on removal rates, the soil levels of P and K come up where they use a Titan versus where they don't. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So by the way, speaking of the soil, uh, before we hit record, we talked about the salt content. Most people don't never thought about the fact that with the more fertilizer you fling out there, the more salt you're potentially having buildup. Does Chad have Does Chad have a salt buildup problem because of fertilizer? Is Is there a compelling reason to use fertilizer treatments based on just the salt? Chad. Oh, so you know I don't. You know, I've done a lot of trials. I mean, that's why I got me where I am. You know, I was doing this stuff before Extreme Ag, you know, and, and when we started, they're like, oh, we need to use him. Like, he's been trialing everything. And I've done what people talk about. And, well, I'm, you know, I've got some extra money this year. I'm going out there and build my fertilizer up. And, you know, I've spread in, in, in excess of nutrients, you know, in certain fields to do trial work. And I have yet to see 
it come around. You know, everybody's like, oh, in a couple years, it's going to be really good. Well, that was about seven, eight years ago, and I still ain't found it. But what I have learned about is salt content. And when you learn about salt, salt content of fertilizer, you start reading up on it and what salt content is and how much it can take around the seed and then out from the seed. Then you'll open your eyes to the kind of fertilizer you're using and what your rates are. And then trying to balance that salt content, which led us into the strip tilling. You know, because in that center, I'm not affecting that ground. And my biology can can do as well as it can do for the ground that I have. You know, well, then I'm just only putting salt in an 8-inch band. So I feel like I'm trying to do the best I can for my soul, you know, by letting my biology thrive in the, in the middles, you know. So the salt issue, Steve, is it something we're going to be talking a lot more about one to five years from now because i don't ever remember the discussion happening five or ten years ago it's kind of it's maybe extreme ag or guys like you have opened my eyes to it but i think it's it's more of a a new thing no damien in fact this is where our aussie and canadian brothers and sisters are way ahead of us because like chad they banned all their dry fertilizer in furrow at planting and they're very keen on what salt can do to uh, germ to kill germination uh, the seedling at germination. So they're limited by the amount of phosphorus that they can band in, in, in whether it's uh, cereal grains, whether it's canola, whether it's pulse crops like chickpeas, they're limited to 30 to 50 pounds a map for the salt. But yes, Damien, as, as we, because we've been blessed here in, in North America, in, in the United States, don't get me wrong. we got wonderful soils. we got a wonderful infrastructure that allows us to get a lot of acres planted quick. But we've always sort of gone, just sling it and let's go. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. Uh, we yeah, got to feed the plant as we go. You know, and also I, I want to brag on our farmers a little bit, you know, Steve, on that on that matter. Nice. You know, we we get to go around in the last few years. I've got to talk to a lot of farmers, you know, and got to learn from a lot of farmers. And I think we have a really great, you know, generation or last couple of generations of the last generation and this generation has done a great job, I think, of farmers of being able to not overuse. And we're doing a better job of taking care of the soil. We're doing a better job of seeing these these things that are coming down the pipeline from our other countries, you know, our other fellow farmers that, you know, have been restricted on stuff. And we're trying to get ahead of that stuff and understand where our forefathers, you know, all they knew was to spread fertilizer. And now we know better. You know, it's not that they were doing wrong then. They had no other technology. Right. But now when we do do wrong now, we have other technology. We have products like y'all spent money and invested in for the farmers. And so if it's if we're doing wrong now, it's, it's shame on us. Can we reduce even more? I mean, you're already seeing yield result, positive yield result, with a reduction of dry fertilizer by putting a treatment on it that maximizes your fertilizer investment, which is what this whole episode's about. Are we as far as we can go? Or Chad, Chad, are you going to get to where you're like five years from now saying, I thought I cut back. Hell, I'm I was still using 20% more than I needed. Do you think we're do you think we're there yet? Well, well it's what we'll do is we'll, what we're gonna do is we'll hone in instead of being a broad spectrum like I did this last year with a thousand or fifteen hundred acres of strip till, we'll hone in on per farm basis and then we'll go to per field basis. Then we're gonna to go to per acre basis. You know, and we really start honing in on that every acre 
as it is, you know, and like I said, hey, you know, on this acre, I got to have more fertility. This ground is thinner. This ground is lower CCs. This ground don't have organic matter. I got to have some fertility. But this ground where it does, like Kelly was talking about, they have they have those things and the nutrient availability. So, yes, I mean, the dry fertilizer is something that will be down to not, almost non-existence with products like this. But it's going to take, we're going to be, the, the American farmer will do, be on that per acre basis. Yeah. You know, and, doing and, the, and that, the, you know the, we never the used to build it. Well, like you guys are now doing, you know, variable rate fertility. That wasn't something that was done commonly. Yeah. And some people still are not doing it. This seems like this helps the, the helps the eff effectiveness of variable rate fertility. That's there's, great. There's no doubt, uh, Damien, we've done work with uh, Titan and the VRT and uh, we, we, they, and they're taking, units of P and K out because they're putting out in pretty high levels of that BRT, putting Titan in, and they're getting higher yield responses mm -hmm. at 10% less fertilizer, and that's not hurting their soil tests. And, and believe me, we base everything on soil tests, Damien. Uh, like Chad just talked about dialing it down to the, the acre, they're looking at what that soil can hold, what its performance history is, what the fertilizer history is, what the soil test says is is in that bank uh, because the, you, we've heard, all heard this stuff, broad spectrum from companies coming out and saying, hey, you know, cut your NPNK 50%, use our magic juice. That doesn't work. That's not sound agronomy. <laughs> we have to base it on soil well, well, this is an interesting thing. Obviously, Tim, uh, Chad's buddy Temple up in Maryland, they're the Sendit twins. They like to put more stuff out there. You know, they never met a product. But on fertility, this is the one thing where they're absolutely and cutting back. It's like, hey, we're not going to use more. We're going to use less, and we're still going to get a yield bang on this. Is environmental stuff going to come to Alabama? I think it might. Hell, he's only five miles from you know the city. Uh, I think that Chad's yeah. going to be having his hands tied. Also, yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, I feel like I will, but but again, I want to be ahead of that. I'm. You know, we want to educate people on that. You right. know. Because our deal around here next to the city, you know, is a suburban mom, you know, uh, we want to make sure that we're we're doing a better job on our farms than they're doing in, uh, you know, I don't want to slam the folks in the landscaping business, but we're, I feel like I'm doing a better job on my farm than they're doing on some of the yards that their yeah. kids play in. Yeah, right, but, right. but, you know, that's here, here, here and there. But, you know, if we all do our part and do a good job, then we can we can keep this thing going. But you're you're 100 percent right. Do I think I'll ever quit using dry fertilizer? No, I won't. I won't. I'm, I'm, it's my job as a farmer and, and passing the land on to the next generation to get the land in better shape than what I got it in. Yep. So yeah. if that means some dry fertility, that's fine. If it's biologicals, that's fine. You know, whatever it takes to do to go down the right path. Steve, when Chad says this is something that you've been using for several years. Is there a next evolution of the product? Is there is there something that makes this even better? Is there like something where you can say, you know what, the next iteration will do this? So, Damien, that's an excellent question. And I think uh, Maude Henshee and her team at Agrison Sciences is working on this. What, what we've identified in Titan, the active ingredient, is 500 different enzymes and metabolites. Mm -hmm. Now, we know the two phosphorus enzymes, and I'm going to sound really smart here, Damien. And I even stayed at a holiday in last night. But well, actually, what Chad and I are noticing, you've got three different diplomas on the wall back there behind you. So you gotta be smart. Those are my wife's. I ordered all mine through the uh, mail mail in. Yeah. 
Uh, but phosphomonoesterase and phosphodiesterase, because Damien and Chad, where science is looking at today, they're not looking at the bugs. They're looking at what enzymes in the soil, yeah. like urease enzyme. That's the second most predominant enzyme. We know how that degrades our urea. But we also know phosphatase enzymes are important. Those are in Titan. But there's another one, Damien, this is really cool now, soil health. Here's one to remember, beta-glucosidase. Because our soil scientists at USDA and your Dr. Fred Belos and Dr. Andrew Markinots at the, 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 the universities, they're not looking at microbes. They're looking at what enzymes they're producing. And beta-glucosidase is the key indicator if you have a healthy soil or not. Mm -hmm. If you're high in beta-glucosidase, it's healthy. If it's not, you don't. And that's what we do. We bring it up. Okay, so and, and this is the further, you know, that's we're talking about a fertilizer treatment, and you just went down the road of uh, the, the the stuff that's in our soil, and that's going to be my my last subject here for us. Does Chad have a realization right now that uh, the utilization of too much fertilizer has harmed soil biology? Yeah, it's kept your N P and K up because that's all we used to. You know, we learned how to do soil testing, like you say. After World War II, we started getting a little better at this, but. We'd only tested for, and now we test for some micros, but we don't have a soil test for biology. And it seems to me that you could almost make the case just like overuse of atrazine. Chad, do you think too much dry fertilizer has harmed soil biology in the last 50 years? I mean, you can't say that it's helped it, that's for sure. But, you know, I don't know if, if you know, we've harmed, if I've harmed it with, that or if I've harmed it with the um, sorry, I don't I don't know if I've harmed it with that or if I've harmed it with a disc or I've harmed it with a subsoil or if I, you know I don't know how how many times I've harmed it you know and then too you know you got to remember in the last five years it's almost like the wild wild west of uh, of I mean you talk about it of soil biology or biologicals you know it's like everybody's got one. Yeah. And, and and they're just now getting where everybody can develop and, and know that there's certain algorithms or, or certain things that they can, you know, test them with and it be consistent. And so, I I mean, do I think I've harmed soil biology? Probably so. Probably so. But uh, but but we're looking to do a better job at it now. Yeah. Well, no, it's not like it's not like you're accusing. I think we all have like you talked about a, a disc, uh, a disc. You know, uh, we, we've done a lot of compaction. There's all those kind of things. So uh, get me out of here, Steve Sexton. A product that's a fertilizer treatment maximizes our fertilizer investment. You said that we're working on even improving this product. Uh, is there any anything the person would need to know if they say, you know what? I'm listening to Chad. I need to be putting fertilizer treatment on my fertilizer to maximize it. What do they need to know? What, what do I need to know? Because I've never done this before. Well, they need to talk to their, their nutrient ag solutions uh, sales agronomist uh, and ask them about Titan XC because like Chad said it goes on a pint per ton and that's irregardless if you're putting out 50 pounds of fertilizer or 200 so talk to your nutrient ag solutions rep and they can help them get their fertilizer treated yeah well from the math standpoint if I can if I can I reduce if I can reduce using something in four bucks it don't take it don't take a whole heck of a lot of reduction to make up for four bucks no, sir. And pencils are going to get sharp, right? Commodity prices have come down, uh, meaning the price for beans and corn and wheat, and uh, growers are going to get a real sharp pencil, and they, and rightfully so. We have plenty of data that shows just a few pounds of P and K, add the Titan, 
the growers doesn't doesn't cost grower anything, right. and they're going to get more yield. So, I I would challenge I would challenge anyone to look at the what they think the availability of if the M P and K is or the P and K. Let's look at the availability of P and K for the first year they spread it, right? And then look at what Titan cost. And if they want to, I would cut back. You could cut back twice the amount of fertilizer that Titan costs, and I promise you, you'll have an ROI. Yeah. You know, bring it. Call me if you don't. Like, put my number up there. Call me if you don't, because I haven't seen it fail. And when we look at, you know, nobody wants to talk about the availability. What, you know, and we're not going to get into that. Nobody wants to talk about the availability of how much what how much potash is available the first year. You spread it out. You know. Chad, yeah. the Aussies say that's a dog's breakfast. Twenty to sixty percent available the first year, yeah. and less than ten percent up to thirty percent of the phosphorus. That's a dog's <laughs> breakfast on your ROI for your fertilizer dollar. So say that again. Say that again. So that's, that's exactly four, what I'm talking about. So I just what did I what did I do with my four dollar investment? Uh, Steve, give me those numbers. So, so your 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 first year of efficiency, like Chad said, on your applied P. Yep. Is less than eight percent up to thirty percent, so you have seventy percent to to ninety percent being tied up. Potassium <laughs> is twenty to sixty percent efficient because potassium is dependent upon soil moisture. Okay, so, so the point is, roughly most most of the fertilizer is unavailable if you don't exactly. have a treatment on it. Exactly. There you go. And and some of the phosphorus ties up, Damien, and they'll let, we won't see it in our lifetimes. Yeah. Right. Right. Until until it, until it, 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 you it, know. Good. And and we get to talk about this with a lot of people, and they'll talk, start hollering blasphemy. <laughs> oh, right. Well, yeah, because they they like the idea. You know, Grandpa went out and spread fertilizer, and it worked for him. And yeah, and that phosphate that uh, will never be available, it ends up in Lake Erie, and, and then it causes problems. So now that's that's a real thing. All right, the products Titan XC. If you want to learn more about it, uh, it's Loveland Products, right? Yes, sir. There you go. Loveland products, nutrient. His name is Chad Henderson, uh, coming to us from a combine in Alabama. And then Steve Sexton is an agronomist with uh, Agerson, Loveland. Uh, take your pick, nutrient. Anyway, all, of the above. All, all of the above. My name is David Mason. Thanks for being here. Until next time, this is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Share this episode with somebody that you think could cut back on their fertilizer, uh, maximize their investment and their impact. Because you know what? We have hundreds of videos just like this that will help you up your farming game. It's all free at extremeag.farm. Extremeag.farm. Hundreds of videos just like this with smart people like the guys I'm talking to. Thanks for being here, Steve and Chad. Thank you, Damien. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. But there is plenty more available by visiting extremeag.farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and most importantly, profitable. Check out lovelandproducts.com to learn more.